Welcome to See Uncovered, a place where you'll find the stories of proven entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ashley Henschel. So welcome to the CEO Uncovered. I'm so excited to have you on. We're going to welcome Brenda Andrea. She is the president and founder of She Is, as well as the first commissioner of the Canadian Women's Hockey League. Hi, Brenda. Thank you for being on the podcast. Happy to be here. So I want to take it back. Can you give us some insight on your childhood and how sports played an influence? Wow. Uh, You know, uh, my childhood was very different than most people's because, you know, in my childhood, uh, outdoor activities was the main way that you participated in sports and hockey really wasn't uh, available for me. I, th- I started playing when I was 16 years of age and uh, I fell in love with it. You know, my brother played and my family was involved in hockey. My father coached, my brother played, and I literally just watched until there was a women's uh, team that started in Napanee way back then and I joined for every Sunday at 12 noon yeah. and put the skates on. Was this like an intramural team or is this for your high school? No it was uh, just a bunch of women uh, from 16 years of age probably till about 35 and everybody gathered on Sunday it was one team versus the other team and that's the same team we played all year long and then eventually it grew into like a kind of a house league and then it became an all-star team and then, of course, we, you know, we went away and played in different areas. Um, and then, of course, when I went to school away, I, I played and um, I, I loved hockey. It was, it was kind of like my passion. It was a sport that, was, that came easy to me. How did you get into it because of your brother was playing or was it a family sport? Did you guys watch the show, TV? Yeah, we are uh, Montreal versus Toronto family. Half of us were Montreal Canadians, the other half was Toronto Maple Leafs. So Saturday night at our house was was the hockey hockey night in Canada with a bowl of popcorn and all the family sitting in front of the TV watching the game. And um, back then, I think, you know, we skated on outdoor ponds. Like I skated from the time I was seven years of age and I played the game outside with my brother on the rink. My father built a small rink and we'd play outside you know to 100 on this little tiny rink as we skated up and forth you really learn to skate pretty well when you're skating on outdoor rinks with twigs and poles and branches so you become a pretty good skater and yeah as soon as I I just waited until there was an opportunity and the moment there was an opportunity I, I I signed up that's amazing I know in our high school we had a hockey team did yours or was it not a thing back then no, no. I mean, way back then it was, uh, you know, hockey was not a part of the high school. Um, it was specifically a couple of people got together and say, you know, there's a bunch of women that want to play hockey. And they started this 12 noon on Sundays and we, they split the teams up and that's where, that's all it was. You play the same team every week, um, but it was, uh, it was a beginning for a lot of us. It was a beginning. It was, it was the opportunity to do what you love to do and, and play a sport that, women just weren't welcome in back then in any way. It sounds like that really sparked your love for hockey when you were on that team. How did that transgression to you becoming the commissioner of the Women's Hockey League? 
Well, I think, you know, I, I, I was a referee, uh, you know, I'm a level six referee. I was a coach. I coached my son's AAA team. Uh, you know, I was, I worked in facilities back then. So I designed facilities. I operated facilities. So you know, sports was my world. And um, I sat down and, and kind of retired a little bit. Um, and at that opportunity, Sammy Joe Small came to me and said, um, you know, we're looking to operate a league, a professional league. And I said, well, I might be, I might be interested in that. And so we started to work together. And from there came the Canadian Women's Professional Hockey League. Uh, and it was a stunning experience, stunning. What challenges have you seen in women in sports, especially in coaching and roles in that field? And how have you overcome them? Well, I think, there's, I mean, there's so many challenges in women's sports, and you certainly see them highlighted in today's world. But if you go back to my time, there was a, a ton of obstacles that you had to get past in order to play the sport you loved. And one, you had to fight for ice time, even getting it at any particular you know, time when you could think about playing. Most of us drove, so that was the, the, the best because, you know, at 16, I could drive a car and, and and so most of us going to our practices or games, we, we drove ourselves. So it wasn't, you didn't have to rely on parents back then who only had one car. It wasn't like everybody had two cars. But so, so getting ice time was a big part of it. Being accepted was, was a huge other part of it. People automatically assumed if you played women's sports, you know, you were LGBTQ. So therefore, a lot of parents didn't want to let their kids play hockey or play too many, you know, male sports, as they would call it, because you would be classified. So lots of times, you know, I'd walk in with my hockey bag and my husband and two kids at that time. And, you know, I'd like, whoa, that's like pretty brutal what everything that's happening. So <clears throat> there was a lot of obstacles to overcome to fight for not unlike today, to be honest with you, fighting for equipment, fighting for ice, fighting for playing time fighting for equalization was, was a key part of the obstacles that you had to overcome. And I never really noticed a difference. Like people will say, you know, male coach, female coach. I grew up with male coaches. I mean, they were, they were, I had all good coaches. I had stunning coaches throughout my time. Um, I, I love the opportunity that I also had women coaches that were stunning. I don't think in my time it was a necessity because, because nobody wanted to coach a women's team. So it was pretty easy for a woman to coach it because nobody wanted to. When women's hockey became more popular, when women's hockey started to grow, then you saw the male competing. And now you find that more males are higher than females. Because again, it's this kind of belief, even within our own selves as women, that we believe that, oh, the man knows more than us. So let's get a male coach, right? Parents will say, oh, let's get a male coach. They're going to know more. My daughter's going to be better. It's like, who told you that? <laughs> like, where did that philosophy come from? But we still kind of in society still believe that the male knows a little bit more than us in the sporting world. What advice do you have for women in the sports industry to feel that they belong? Well, I, I think you just have to believe it. There, there's, you know, nobody's going to come to you and say, hey, you belong here. I think, you know, like anything, not just in the sports world, but in a job or, or, or in a relationship or anything, you have to know you belong there. Mm -hmm. And you have to push the, the envelope to, to get what you want to get. And I think, you know, for us as women out there that are thinking of careers, that are thinking of, you know, sports, I think it's a great opportunity to really expand and push yourselves when you join sports because, you know, whether it's a single sport or a team sport, 
your the boundaries are pushed within yourself you know fitness uh psycho psycho psychologically you know uh moving yourselves into winning and losing you know mental is is you know your mental kind of health is extremely important because you know if you do get big the questions you'll get asked the pressures that will come with that so it's a very challenging kind of path to take and it, it, it's no different for the men like people think it's it's less but it's not it's just as much pressure there the difference being is, is that um men always have the opportunity to, to believe that they belong and we have the opportunity that we don't and so we have to fight that on extra things it's nobody's gonna nobody's gonna come to you and say you know we're gonna give you an easy ticket you belong here so get on the path is going to be really easy it's it's a long path but it's worth every step if if you truly believe um, that you want to accomplish something that you want to do. And lots of times, you know, even in my own career, there was lots of times where people would come to me and say, you know, oh, great, you're going to do this. And I'm going, I don't want to do that. No, no, you have to do that because, you know, you represent women and, you know, you, you have to, you have to make that stance. And I'd say, no, I, I don't want to do that. Like happy, like I get, you want me to, you know, do this because it, it's, it's a, you know, impact for women, but, I don't want to do it. And I, I, it's not that I don't want to do it because I don't want to help women because I spent my life trying to do that. It's like, I just don't want to do it because it's not good for me. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, nope, going to say no. And that doesn't mean anything except that I'm taking care of myself. What skills has sports taught you in your adult life from playing um, throughout when you were a kid to now? I don't think there's any skills that I currently have that I didn't learn in sports, to be honest. I mean, you know, if you look back, leadership is a big one. If you're going to be successful in life, leadership. And, you know, a lot of people will say to me, well, I wasn't a captain or I wasn't an assistant captain. And I'm going, yep, see, that's the difference. The definition of leadership doesn't always equate to being the person that makes all the decisions. Leadership is within your own self in, in knowing how to lead yourself. And, and I say to people all the time, like, if, if you want people to lead and follow you, well, first follow yourself and follow what you're thinking inside. It's, you know, we know so often, I mean, how many times as women have we said, oh my God, I shouldn't have done that. But we didn't listen to ourselves. We just trudged ahead. And so to me, it's like, you know, sports was always that thing of, it's, it's instant, instant movement. It's instant decision-making process while you're playing a sport. I'm going to hit that. I'm not going to hit that. I'm going to take the shot. I'm not going to take the shot. I'm going to move towards that. And, and you as yourself, like you're totally leading yourself and you're, that's a leadership role. Okay. I'm going to go for it now. And if you can't make those moves, you can't make those decisions, then that's the kind of leader you're going to be in the future. So I think sports was a lot of like, yeah, go ahead and take that. Yeah. Go ahead and take that chance. Working with a teammate teaches you a different skill, hugely mm -hmm. communication, you have to communicate in order to play on a team. You have to be able to, to share the glory, which is, which is hard. And I think, you know, communication and leadership are all skills that you're going to need in a job, that you're going to need in a relationship if you're going to have, you know, down the road. So it's like sports has the opportunity to teach you about long-term friendships, communication, leadership, you know, and, and your role in life. So many people would say, you know, oh, I only played on the third line or, you know, I'm still waiting. I'm going perfect because that's teaching you something like that. That's a lesson within yourself that says sometimes, you know, every person on a winning team had a job to do. And if one person on that team didn't do that job, then it's not going to, it's not going to happen. 
that kind of spark you into creating She Is? No, what sparked me into creating She Is was is that, um, I guess it's five or six years ago, there was a political movement happening in the United States and here in Canada, we had just had the Black Lives Matters in the Pride Parade who had demonstrated um, and had stopped the parade and, and had wanted their voices heard. And shortly after that, everybody across North America was, was marching. And they were marching because of what happened in the United States with the political world and of course what happened here. People were phoning me up and saying, hey, Brenda, you know, we, we want you to march. You know, you're such a strong feminist. You're such a strong person in the beliefs. And I said, I'm not marching. <laughs> and they kind of went, what? What do you mean you're not marching? I said, well, first of all, I'm not a feminist. I'm a peopleist. I said, and, and that doesn't mean I'm not a, a feminist in the true word because I think feminist has many different definitions. It just means that if my son was, was having problems in certain areas, I'd stand up and fight for him if my daughter was having it. But, but you know, the feminist for me is about, you know, women making you know, equal pay, women having the right to say what they want to say to. And I said to everybody, you're all going to march and the following day, you're all going to go home. You're going to hear these wonderful speeches and you're going to get all charged up and you're going to feel great. And then the next day, you're not going to do anything. You're going to sit down and, you, and you're going to put on your book, hashtag, I, I, I did that, you know, create, I did the march, I listened to everybody. And five days from now, there'll be no change. There'll be no difference. And, and I said to everybody, and the reason why we're marching is because of negativity. We didn't, we didn't put together a march that said, let's change this because, it's, because this is where we are. Because we do know where we are. We, we're not, you know, in the 1950s, they allowed us to smoke, drink, and vote. Well, what have we got since then? You know, where, 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 where are we? Like, yeah. you know, it's like, so to me, it was like, okay, well, what if I'm going to, I was sitting, I'm sitting at the same desk, actually, where I decided <laughs> to do it. And I said to myself, I want to create something that's positive. I want to create a movement, a, a campaign that's built from positivity, not because something happened. And so then we react, but because something is, is not right and it, something is not aligned and therefore let's try to look at that and change it. And so I reached out to these fabulous women that were commissioners at the time, uh, you know, Stacey Alistair and at the time, oh my God, I lost Lisa Borders from the WNBA was, was, the, was the president back then. And I called them up and I said, Lisa, I just read your story that you were, you know, put in as the new president of the WNBA, and I could insert anybody's name into your story, and it would be the same thing. We're talking about fans, we're talking about lack of TV coverage. Any single person could be that, anybody, because it's all the same for women's sports, media cover, 4%, you know, trying to get this, trying to get the right, equal pay. It's all the same. I said, what if, what if um, she is created a, a business, a not-for-profit company, where the commissioners of all the different leagues could cross pollinate mm -hmm. the messages. And so come out of our silos and say, how can we come together and say, we're gonna cross pollinate, we're gonna, we're gonna spread the word among all our fans that basketball fans need to know about tennis fans and tennis fans need to know about these phenomenal athletes in the basketball world and the football world and the softball world and the fast pitch and the hockey. And so she is, was born from that because, and it really was, it wasn't about the athlete. It wasn't about the leagues because, because the leagues do that. Our mission was very simple. It was to tell fans that they needed to take action. In order to take action, that would change the outcome of what a lot of females were going through. And that's, you know, if all the fans go to the games, then viewership, sponsorship, media coverage increases. So it's like, 
take action fan. Don't just check a box. Mm -hmm. As working as the president and founder of SHEA, what is a typical day-to-day -day for you? And what role do you do for the company? Well, I don't have a day-to-day. That's a great thing about owning your own business. COVID was a, was a pretty big hit for all of us because, you know, we run on sponsorship dollars and donations. And, and so this has been a tough year for SHEA's, like, like every other not-for-profit company out there. But, you know, lots of meetings, lots of discussions, lots of phoning sponsors, lots of putting presentations together. But we just did a great, uh, you know, campaign recently with um, USGA and LPGA of Women Worth Watching for the San Francisco, um, you know, LPGA weekend. And it was absolutely phenomenal because we put together the campaign that basically talked about women worth watching, unapologetic pride during the month of June for Pride Month. And we had these phenomenal women that went to the games. It was through the eyes of the fan for she is. And, you know, one was an ex-golfer, uh, pro golfer, LGBTQ, Plus, and it was like absolutely stunning. And it's like, you know, this is what we're here about. This is, this is the cross-pollination of the campaigns we do. So lots of, lots of putting together those things. We're doing something with the Olympics coming up shortly. Um, so there's no typical day. I always say to people, if you're going to get into a not-for-profit company, there is no typical day because you work whenever you need to work. And I have no clue what day it is half the time or weekends or anything. It's just, you know, people say to me, it's a holiday. I go, holiday? How'd that happen, right? Mm -hmm. What would you recommend to, for women to actively participate in the growth of women's sports? Oh, that's simple. Take action. Yeah. If, if not, you know, go to sheis.com and and she, or sheissport.com mm -hmm. and sign up for our newsletter so you know what's happening. And or or go to the site and sign up for you know buy a hat that says she is because you're supporting us, which support them. Um, unapologetic pride is our, our hat for, it says, you know, when we're watching unapologetic pride, that's the hat for the month of June. It's, 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 it's donating, it's in, in donating and getting something back for it, which is why we sell the hats, but it's really about taking action. It's so easy to, you know, say, oh my God, I'm so in favor of women's sports. And I'll go, okay, when's the last time you bought a ticket, turned the game on, bought something, donated to something. Oh, what do you mean? No, I mean, I support them. Yeah, okay, well, supporting them means taking action. And, and that's a tough side. Like, people will blame sponsors, and, you know, they'll blame the media. But it's like, at the end of the day, I say, well, I'm a business, and I'm not going to sponsor somebody that can't bring back in the targeted assets that I'm looking for, because it's a business. And, and women sports are a business, but it's the fan that makes the difference. What advice do you have for women who want to enter the sports in industry and have interest in it? Do it. <laughs> Don't let anything stop you from, from entering the uh, sports world. And the, um, it's, it's a great career. It's a great opportunity to learn so many different things. Lifelong friendships, you know, some of the best times of my life, uh, you know, interactions with, you know, men and women and athletes and coaches and officials have been through the sports life. You know, some of my greatest memories and some of my greatest lessons mm -hmm. all through all through this through the interaction of 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 the sports world. And I guess I've always said to people, people will say, well, sh you know, should I go into the sports world? And I'm going, if you're asking me that question, <laughs> then you don't know what you're actually wanting in the world because 
because I never asked somebody, should I do this? It was like, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, now not to say that I'm brazen or anything like that. There's lots of times when I would ask for advice from my advisors or find a mentor and go, Hey, what do you think? I'm thinking of this crazy idea. And they'd say, think a little bit more, Brenda, present it a little bit differently. You know, this is how you should do it. Maneuver it, like take advice that way. But for a career move, the only person who can decide which area or career that you belong in is yourself. And it's one of the toughest things because, you know, we grow up with people telling us at a very young age what they think we should be. You know, I think you should be a lawyer. I think you should be, you know, this. I think you should be that. I, I laugh because um, there's a great story that a guy told me. And he said, you know, he always wanted to be a baseball player. That's, that's, that's what his lifelong dream was. He wanted to be a baseball player. And at a very young age, um, he remembers his dad, you know, taking the baseball away, you know, they play for a little bit and then they, they, he put a gun in his hand. He says, you're going to be a great cop someday. You're going to be a great cop. So he grew up to be a cop. But, you know, when he told the story, he says, you know, I like being a police officer. He said, but it was never my dream. He says, I would have liked to have tried to be a baseball player. And it, and it doesn't matter if he had failed. Like that's what a lot of people say, well, I was never good enough. And it's not about being good enough. It's about doing what you want it to do and not what society or somebody else has always said, this is what you should do, not this is what I want to do in life. What avenue do you think it's best for um, young kids who want to be coaches or who want to work in the industry to take um, if they want to look at that career route? Well, if they want to be a coach or something else, they need to get into the game and they need to be assistant coaches. They need to be volunteers and uh, they need to watch. I mean, you know, some of the greatest people uh, uh, that I learned lesson from is people that I worked with. You know, I'd say, hey, I, I can help you do that project. And hey, don't worry, I'm going to volunteer. Or, hey, you know what? I'll take the overtime right now. What do we got to do? I, I got to learn this. Great. You know what? Or, hey, yeah, don't worry about me. I'm going to be here. I'm going to help. Because, because every, there's, always a, there's always a new adventure out there. And I think we've, we're kind of a bit of a society now that says, you know, unless I'm being paid, I'm not doing it. As, you know, the record will show you volunteers are down and and many other things are kind of decreased over the years. But, but time is so essential to the learning process of what you want to be in life. And time spent on something outside of what your current job is will give you that little extra boost to kind of move over and take it. And then you got to take a chance, right? You have to. It's the only way to try. What do you want to see in women's sports for years to come? What is your goal? Well, I have a goal, but that's a uh, top secret right now. Um, <laughs> I, do, I am working on something new. Um, so, so we're hoping to bring it out in the next four to five months, which we think will, will make a nice big bang in women's sports instead of the small dents that we've made. But that's to come down the road. I think if people, what I'd like to see is, is equality. Mm -hmm. equality. Equality in the way that reflects what is what is what is there so I, i'm not somebody who says you know the guys make two million a year we should make two million a year because he plays basketball and we play basketball mm -hmm. what what i'm for is equality that says i as a fan have decided that i want to watch something and therefore if i watch that and i and i'm this if there's 100,000 fans for basketball and 100,000 fans for men's and women's basketball and same numbers are coming in then women should be treated equally Mm -hmm. and paid equally 
the, if the fan base is there, if the media coverage is there, they should, they should be paid that way. But, but I think it's very important for people to understand that women's sports is a business. It's not a charity. And I think a lot of people have framed their thoughts around the fact that, oh, that's a women's game. It's a charity. No, it's not. It's a professional sport. It's a professional business. And it's run like that by all those commissioners. They're just fabulous at what they do. And, and there's a lot of success coming down the road. And I think, um, you know, what we need to do is, is that as women and men is, is that when we support them through, through taking action as a fan, then that should be a turnaround of supporting them as equality, supporting them with the right questions for God's sakes. Somebody, you know, people, I'm thinking, you know, athletes are media trained, coaches are media trained, CEOs are media trained. Somebody needs to train the media, right? And say, here's the questions that, you know, don't be so, you know, lacking of knowledge and information that you can't ask the right question of a woman after they've won something or after they've, you know, done something really like, you know, some of the questions we st I still look at and go, you didn't just ask that question, did you? Like, you know, yeah. like, what the heck? Again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Are there any media outlets people can connect with you to learn more? Um, no, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have a media outlet at this particular time, but, uh, Again, you might down the road, you may never know what could happen. But right now, I, I think the thing that I would like to ask is, is that if we have fans out there listening, please go to sheasport.com and sign up for our newsletter. It's, it's you know, it, it, it gives us numbers. It gives us what we need for sponsors. And you get, the newsletter is phenomenal. It tells you everything that's going on. So it's, it's pretty cool. We're on it and we love it. And we love what you're doing with She Is. And again, thank you so much for being on here and you're really pioneered women in sports and you are a really great lesson to follow. So thank you again. It was nice talking with you. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to See Uncovered. You can check out more at www.createeveryopportunity.org. Thanks again.